Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, if you guys can turn there, Proverbs chapter 20. been spending the last few months just reading, trying to really go through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs a day, I recommend it. Proverbs chapter 20 came across this verse. I've read it many times before, but it seemed to stand out, at least in the day and age that we live in. Proverbs chapter 20, and just one verse. We'll read it all together like a family. We're a family, right? Misfit-looking family, but... Uh, we're a family. Let's read verse 29 all together. So Proverbs 20, verse 29, ready and begin. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray head. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for this passage of scripture you've given to us. Thank you for the Bible, and help us to learn something this morning, or at least be reminded of something, I suppose, this morning. Thank you for allowing everybody to be here and just to use our time now. We pray for your honor and glory in your name. Amen. Uh, when I was in college, I remember my freshman year when I first arrived. It was, uh, it was a couple months in in November. And every November, they have an event called College Days. And College Days, I don't know that term is used as much up here in Canada, but basically in any Bible college in America and a lot of universities, College Days is a day where... They invite people to come from all over, students, really seniors of high school, to come and to see the college. And of course, they always put on their best face, right? They put all the coolest events in that those couple of days, and they try to make it as fun-filled as they possibly can. And during college days, they always have a, a, a tournament and they have uh, games that they would play. And it's mainly for the college students, but it's for the high schoolers to come and, and to think, man, one day I could be a part of that. And I was right there when I was in high school, grade 12. I remember going to college days and watching them play football and watching them play uh, soccer. Didn't care too much for that. At basketball, I knew I wouldn't ever accomplish much in that sport, but just watching and thinking, wow, you know, I could be a part of this someday. And they do a great job at really... Uh, putting, you know, they're, they're not lying. It's just they're putting all their best, you know, in those couple of days to try to get students. And they do a good job at it. Uh, when I got to college my freshman year, we were encouraged to watch and be a part of uh, West Coast. They have a, a basketball league. It's called the, the Eagles. Any Christian college in America always is called the Eagles. I don't know why. But there's 17, actually, Eagle teams. And I don't know why that is. But it's just... Uh, I guess the Eagle, is, so if we ever do a basketball uh, team, please, I just beg you, don't call ourselves the Eagles, all right? The Beavers, if anything, just not, no, not the Beavers, maybe the Dinosaurs. Um, so anyway, we were there, and the basketball team, now at that time, I haven't been back there since I graduated, and they have a really nice uh, gymnasium now, but the gymnasium they had then was, was pretty small. It, had, it was just enough room for the courts and one, one uh, set of bleachers on just one side. And, you know, there's like a thousand, there's, I think there was 1,300 uh, students at that time when we were there. And we would cram onto these benches that could only hold about 400 people. So there was like a thousand people in this small gym. It was loud. And we were known across our division 
And they had just joined Division I of the NCCAA, which is the National Christians College Athletic Association. And it's a pretty, it's that deal, the Division One's actually a pretty big deal. That's the same division like Pensacola Christian College and all those other big colleges. Anyway, so we were kind of the, the smaller, we weren't really expected to go very far that year. But everybody knew our college because they loved coming to our home games because it was so loud. And it was very energetic. And, you know, a college, if when you get a bunch of college people together yelling and screaming, it just escalates. Well, that year, our team was able to make it all the way up to the Western, I guess, conference finals for, for our division. And we came down, they were up against a team that hadn't won, they hadn't beat at all that year. And we had home court advantage, so they were playing in our, in our home court. And it was a big deal. We, it was our first year in Division One, and we had made it all the way to the conference final, and we were pretty excited. And we had a couple guys on our team that if they got hot, they just couldn't, they were, they were great players. One guy, my favorite, he was five foot six. That's my height. I was like, yes, I liked it when short people could play basketball. We get, we're getting close to the end, and it's, it's looking great. And half the player on our, players on our, on our team were seniors. So this is their last year. And they were going all out. They practiced so hard that year. They were staying up late. And they get, and we're within, like, it's three minutes left in the game, and the game is tied. And our, I mean, the, the stadium is roaring. It's so loud. And we're pumped where these guys are going. We get down to about six seconds left in the game, and we're down by one point. And... Uh, coach calls a timeout, and the team's huddling. And like I said, most of the starters in that game were all seniors. So this was their moment. This was it. And if they were to win this, then they would go into the tournaments, which was out, out east. And they, they never got a chance to do that before. So they're in the huddle, and I wish I could be there in the huddle and listen to what the coach was saying. But they had their, they had their, their uh, playbook all, all, all ready to go. And... So they get out on the court and we're cheering for him. And we already know who the ball's going to. The guy was five foot six because he was just, uh, they, he, was, he couldn't miss that night. He was just on. Even though he was short, didn't matter. So uh, they pass the ball and he's looking to pass the ball. Everyone's running around. And sure enough, uh, five foot six. I call him next. I don't even remember his name, but he was a good player. So he runs out, he gets the ball, and Big tall guy comes running right at him before he can get up. He shoots a three, and the ball is soaring into the air. And we all, you know, there's that moment when you hold your breath, where you're just like, please go in. You don't know. And that moment feels like hours. And it's just floating through the air, and we're all waiting for the ball to hopefully go in. And in that pause of a moment, the ball decided to hit nothing but nets. Just went right through the whim, swish, perfect shot. The buzzer goes off, on the buzzer, we win the game. And we were the underdogs that year, our first year in the division. And can you imagine what a thousand students did? I mean, you thought we were allowed that whole game, but when that ball went in there, it was over. And it was it was a cool moment for our, our, little, our little college league. And, it's, I mean, obviously the school is big considered ours, but in a college, Christian college perspective, it's a small college. And it, it was a cool moment. Now they would go on to the tournament. They wouldn't, they wouldn't win that year, but we had never gotten that far. We had won our division, and it was a, it was a cool moment. 
The following year, college days. During college days, they had this event called the alumni game, where the alumni are allowed to come back, and they encourage the alumni to come back and to play a game against the current team. So this is alumni, those who, who, who are on the basketball team, but they've graduated, they're allowed to come back and form this little alumni team to play against the current uh, team that's there. So the next year was the most anticipated alumni game. Normally alumni games, you kind of just yawn. It's like, okay, the old guys are obviously gonna lose. But this was, uh, this was the best team that we've ever had. So we're, I, I, probably like most people, how many of you would, like if, if you have a, uh, the expected team to win, but then you have the underdog team, and say you're not a fan of the expected team to win, you don't really, who would rather see an underdog team kind of come back and win? Anybody? That's see, normally that's the majority. The David versus Goliath. People like that kind of story, right? Because it makes you feel good, like, oh, you know what? If the underdog can win, maybe I could be successful in life. It's a mental thing. So we're all rooting for the alumni. And I'll be honest, the first quarter was exciting. By the end of the first quarter, the alumni were ahead. This was the, the seniors that had won first place back then. But uh, some, of those, uh, some of those graduates didn't quite look the same as they did a year ago. We're talking just one year. Some of them had uh, put on a few pounds. Some of them had to stretch a little longer than before. Some of them looked like they hadn't touched a basketball in a full year. And this was not the same team that we saw a year ago. These guys are still young. They're, they're still 22, 23, 24. But they weren't playing consistently. And by halftime, uh, we, we, we weren't just rooting for the alumni. We were praying for the alumni now. By the third quarter, the, uh, the team, the, the actual basketball team, didn't even have their starters in anymore. They had their backup bench players, and it was, it was rough. By the fourth quarter, uh, I'm pretty sure half the alumni were at the hospital needing uh, oxygen masks, and it was, uh, it was a rough situation. But um, needless to say, it was still the best alumni game they had ever had. And there's just something about getting the older versus the young. When it comes to physical activity and sports and strength, generally the younger are always going to win. Generally. They have the advantage. The only thing really that the young have over the elderly is your strength. If you look back in this verse here, Proverbs 20, verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength. And the beauty of old men is the gray head. If there is anything for a young person to glory in, it's the fact that you're young. <laughs> it's, it's your strength. Now, I know not everybody has the same amount of strength. Some people are active. And when I mean strength, I don't necessarily just mean physical strength, but just the youthfulness you're, generally, when you're younger, your, your mind tends to be sharper. Well, tends to be. There's always exceptions to the rule. And generally, you're, you're stronger. And obviously, uh, sometimes sicknesses and, and health will prevent young people from, from being there. But in a general sense, what does the young person have to glory in? It's their strength. Strength is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. 
But when it really, when it really comes down to it, the, the really the only thing that the young person has over the elderly is their strength. The young doesn't have experience. We haven't been there. We haven't done a lot of things. The elderly have. And the one thing the elderly doesn't have, perhaps that they wish they did have, would be strength. I don't know that anybody in their 40s and 50s wished that they could, well, unless they had a really uh, traumatic experiences, but all the wisdom and knowledge they gain, usually what they end up saying is, and I'm probably going to be saying this sometime soon, but if I could take what I have now and go back and be that age again, if I could just have that strength, but mix that with my, my experience and knowledge, oh, man, what I could do in high school. Or what, what I could have done for, for God in college. Or how I could have been a better 25-year-old if I could just have the wisdom I have now. And the, this strength versus wisdom has always been the prevalent story between generations. We're young, we have strength, but what good is that strength without wisdom? How easy would it be for the young to waste their strength because they lacked the wisdom to know where to spend that strength. So many young people have strength, they have talents, they have all these things, but they don't use it in the right way. They waste their talents. You ever go through in teen class, you're in college, and one of the things youth pastors preach on the most is time, talents, and treasures. Use those for God. It's because we don't have any anymore. <laughs> And we see the, the talents and the, you see all the treasures you guys have. And we remember in our life, man, I remember when I had that and I wasted it. You guys have it, so don't waste it. And you probably hear these things over and over again. It's because the average young person does waste their time, talents, and treasures. Imagine if all the young people in the world would spend their strength with the guiding hand of wisdom to help them. Where our generation would be. So the message today is not really directed at the elderly. It's directed at the young. God has given you strength. But how do you use it properly? Just a few points for you today before we close. And the first one is this. How do we use our strength properly? First, realize your strength is your glory. But don't glory in your strength. I know it's a long point, and no one's going to write it down, but I'll say it twice anyway. Realize your strength is your glory, but don't glory in your strength. Scarcely any young man or woman affects to be wise or affects to learn, but they all delight to show their strength and be reputed strong. Uh, this is, big. I think, probably even more prevalent with guys, but when you get especially young guys, they like to try to show off, show off their strength, show off their knowledge, show off their wisdom. I know girls do it too, uh, perhaps in different ways. But most of the time we try to, uh, especially when you're playing sports, when you're playing, when you're doing things that are athletic, you, uh, I mean, the average guy wants to, to win. The average girl, you don't play a sport and if you, I mean, in your heart, you can say, oh, it's okay, it's just a game. But, I mean, deep down, you really wish you had won, right? I mean, unless you were forced to play the game. But uh, competition is healthy, it's good, and you want to win, and that's good. Agility, one evidence of strength, their particular effect, and hence their various trials of strength and fleetness in public 
exercises, it helps you um, flaunt who you are. You get guys in like uh, sports. Let's say you're, uh, you're a young 17, 18 year old and now you're into professional sports. More times than not, that kid, that person ends up being a bit on the cocky side. Not every time. But it's like, yeah, I'm 18, I made, I'm professional, you know? And they, uh, they like trash talk and they like to, and they're trash talking to guys who are looking down at them saying, you don't have any idea who you're talking to, do you? And it takes time for humility to set in, for wisdom to set in. But you understand this, Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 says, let not wise men glory in wisdom, Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So God is saying here through Jeremiah, if you, have, if you have strength, don't glory in your strength. If you have riches, don't glory in your riches. And this is oftentimes the one thing that young people have is their strength. I'm stronger than, I'm stronger than uh, you know, my parents. I'm stronger than those that are older than me. I, 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 I can do more. I can run more. I can, I can think more. I can go longer without sleeping. You know, And we take pride in these things. We used to boast in college at how little sleep we got. How dumb is that? It's like, you got four hours of sleep? I got three. It's like, yeah, but your GPA is three as well. Like 0.3. And we would boast in these things. Uh, Yeah, I worked graveyard last night. Yeah, I worked graveyard for four years straight. I haven't slept in nine years. And we think things like this is great. And then you have, uh, you have somebody older listening to you going, ah, I used to be stupid like that once. I used to think the longer I sleep. And there comes a point where you realize, I actually need sleep. Sleep is actually really beneficial to my body. It actually helps me live and be alive. It helps me make proper judgment. Sleep is good. Realize your strength is your glory, but don't glory in your strength. And the Bible makes that clear. Look, we, if you're young, you have strength. You can do things that somebody else who's older cannot do. And every year you get older, uh, I think once you pass your prime, it's actually incredible. In professional sports, we'll, we'll take basketball for example, they say the prime of your life, like the peak of, of your talents is between the age of 25 and 30. 25, 30. So that means I, I could potentially still be in my prime right now. I'm not, but I could have been. Uh, I think, that, let's not talk about me. So 15, uh, 25 to 30, so then you get guys who are 32, 33, and they still have five, six good years ahead of them, but they're already talking about replacing them because they're old. They're 33, and they're old. We got to get some young guys in to start replacing them. And when, when we think of the word old, what's the first age that comes to your mind? 40. I shouldn't have asked you. <laughs> Pastor, old. What's old? No, it's kidding. Uh, so when you think of, I wasn't thinking of old, uh, 40. But in sports, 40 is old. Can't. That's retirement. It's like, why are you still playing? <laughs> you should be handing me a towel, not out there on the court. Realize your strength. These are your glory, but don't, learn, don't glory in your strength. Number two, 
don't disregard the strength of others, even the elderly. So don't disregard the strength of others. Everybody has different, uh, different strengths in life. Some people are physically stronger than others. Some people work at it. Some people are smarter, are sharper. Some people are this, some people are that. But don't disregard the strength of others. And when we're young, this is something we tend to do often, is we disregard the strength of the elderly. Those who are older than us, we, we disregard their strength. And one of the classic examples of this is in Joshua 14. If you could turn there. Joshua 14. Here's an example of a bunch of young people who wouldn't do anything, and it took the strength of the elderly to carry them. Joshua chapter 14. We could read this whole chapter, but I'll just summarize it for you. Uh, basically, Israel has just finally, they're done wandering in the wilderness, they're now in the promised land, and it's time for them to start claiming their territory. And this is a story you've all heard before, so we won't go in the, we won't read everything. But it was time now for the portion of the children of Caleb and his tribe to go in and take over their land. But the land that was given to them was covered in, surrounded in giants. And I don't just say that flippantly because I'm only 5'6". But these were actual well-known giants. Look at verse 11. This is Caleb talking to Joshua. As yet I am as strong this day, and he was 85 when he's saying this, this day, as I am strong this day, as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, and usually we stop there, but look at the rest of this verse. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Now look down in verse 15. And the name, and the, the place they were taking over is Hebron. So, and the name of Hebron before was Kerjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Now we're not going to go in the stories and go all the research on what the Anakims were. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 28, you, you hear about when, the, when they first went over it to take over the promised land, the 12 spies, 10 of them were discouraged because they saw the Anakims there. They saw them there and they said, oh yeah, we can't go there because I saw these sons of Anakim. <laughs> they're, they're giants. And the next chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 2, it talks about the Anakims. It says, which also were accounted giants, but the Moabites called them Emmons, and just nicknames for these supposed monsters. And an 85-year-old man said, uh, look, I was 40 years old or 45 when, when this whole ordeal happened, when I first saw them, and I wanted to take them then. But now that I'm 85, I am not letting this chance pass. I'm not letting everyone else spoil my chance to claim victory. So whether you guys are coming with me or not, I'm going to go take this mountain. We, as, the, as young, should not ever discourage or disregard the strength of those older than us. 
Because oftentimes their strength surpasses ours. In 1982, a guy by the name of Jim Morris was drafted by the New York Yankees into their minor league play. So it wasn't quite the major leagues. It was a couple divisions below. And he was a young guy. He was early 20s. But he could not progress because of an arm injury. So he sat on the disabled list for a full year before eventually getting signed by the, uh, another team, the Milwaukee Brewers. He only played a few games in their minor leagues before he, that same injury came back. He found himself for another year waiting to be able to try to get a chance to play in the major leagues. But by 1987, just a few years after, uh, after coming to the league, he realized his arm was always going to give him problems. So he retired. At the age of 25, he retired from, from sports. He went back to his hometown where he would eventually become a baseball coach. And he was a coach for over a decade. One day, he had, he had his uh, bunch of uh, ragtag, his little team there in this small town. And they weren't a very good team. And he told his team, he said, look, you guys have never won a championship. You've never even gone to the, to, you never, you've never even gotten to the playoffs. He said, if you guys will win first place, uh, I'm getting this backwards. The team went to the coach because the coach had a pretty fast arm. And the team said to the coach, coach, if we can win the championships, you have to try out for the major leagues again. And he's 35 now, and he's laughing. He's saying, okay, sure, why? Okay, well, I'll do that. And the team the year prior had a really horrible record, so he thought he was pretty safe. Well, you probably know how the story's going to go. This little team rallied together, and they would practice late nights, early mornings. They wanted their coach to try out again. They believed that he still had it in him. And this team would rally back, and they would... Make, squeeze themselves into the playoffs that year and inch by inch would win just enough games to make it to the championships. And guess what? They somehow found a way to win the championships. This little tiny team called the Owls that no one's ever heard of before. Well, uh, he had to humiliate himself now as a 35-year-old. He went into the training camp of uh, where there's a bunch of 17 and 18-year-olds who are trying out for the major leagues. Here comes this 35-year-old walking in Kind of embarrassed, but he kept his word. And he knew a lot of the coaches that were there because he used to play for them. And uh, so they were joking with him like, hey, are you here for, you, did you bring some kids with you? No, I'm, I'm here for myself. And he explained the bet he lost. And so, okay. So they waited till the tryouts were done and uh, to not embarrass him. And they waited till it was just him on the mound and all the young guys had gone. And they said, all right, you can throw a few pitches. You know, you, you, could, you could, okay. So he uh, grabs the first ball. Lays it back, throws a strike, and the radar clocked it at 98 miles an hour. And the coach, now if you don't know anything about baseball, that's, that's fast. That's really fast. Not everybody can throw that hard. And they thought, okay, radar was probably broke. Uh, throw another one, so threw another one, 98 miles an hour. He threw a third pitch, 98 miles an hour. 12 pitches in a row, exactly clocked at 98 miles an hour. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, you're done. You can come in. 
And uh, they, they, he saw the coaches talking, and they, uh, Jim said, so, all right, you know, I'll catch you guys next year. I'll try to bring some young recruits in. And they're like, yeah, yeah, just keep your phone on you, but yeah, we'll, we'll see you later. And they let him go. And that morning, the next morning, he got a call back. Some other coaches wanted to see him pitch. He thought, okay, well, whatever. So he goes back, and now he's got real recruits out there, and this 35-year-old is continuing to throw balls between from 95 to 99 miles an hour. Well, to make a long story short, two months later, he's playing in a double-A division for the, for the Yankees. A month later after that, Jim Morris, somehow three months after this... Uh, his tryouts, he finds himself for the first time ever fulfilling his dream of pitching in the major leagues. He finds himself being signed to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and somehow was able to get his first pitch. His first at bat, first time ever facing somebody, he was able to strike out his opponent in just four pitches and he threw four consecutive 98 mile an hour fastballs and the guy couldn't, couldn't grab it. These are some examples of some young people here who saw their coach, 35, not quite old, it's not quite 40, so we still had five years. And they had faith, they, they encouraged, they, they trotted on those, someone else that was older than them, they didn't despise those. And my challenge to you from this simple point is simply to, these are some rare examples somebody who was older, and 35 still isn't really that old, but somebody who's 35 who should not have been to the major leagues. And they actually made a movie about this. It's called The Rookie. And uh, I think I've seen it before. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Don't despise someone older than you. Use their strengths. Use what they have. And always... Never, never look down on somebody else just because they may not be where you're at in certain points in life. Next point here is this. Listen to the wisdom of the elderly. So we're trying to figure out what to do with the strength that God has given us. Listen to the wisdom of the elderly. Across the four major sports in the world, you've got basketball, hockey, baseball, and football. The average age of the coaches is 52 years old, of a head coach, is 52. There are, however, um, in, if you, <clears throat> there are seven or eights that are above the age of 70 who, would, who are considered the most experienced and well-sought-after coaches in some of these divisions. The average age of a U.S. president is 55. The average age of a Canadian prime minister, 54. The average age of a CEO in the United States in across all industries, the average age is 58. The average age of the average pastor in America in 1992 was 44. The average age of a pastor in America today is 55. And they say every year that number is just going to keep going up. Pastors 65 years and older have almost tripled in the last 25 years. It's no mystery why those in charge are often 50 years plus and older. 
I don't think any of us wonder, oh, I wonder why that is. We, I think we understand why. It's because of one word, wisdom, <laughs> experience. And sometimes people cheat their way up to the top, I guess. But we have wisdom, experience. These are the guys that, that we want running our country. Imagine a president of the United States being some 18-year-old, just graduated from high school. Nobody would vote for him. Why? I don't know. Maybe they would. But hopefully they wouldn't vote. We want somebody who's been there, who's done it, who has the experience. You understand? It's the perfect balance. Young and old. Wisdom and strength. That's the perfect balance to get the best jobs done. Paul training Timothy. Paul training Titus. Uh, Jesus, though he was actually, I think he might have been younger than even some of the disciples. He was only in his 30s. But Jesus training his disciples. Moses, 40 years older or something than, than, than Joshua. Moses training Joshua. It's the perfect equation, the, the young and the old. Young people can still do extraordinary things without a leader to guide them per se. But the best way and the biblical way that I think that God intended is through mentorship, through discipleship. Now, Paul realized something, though. Paul was talking with Timothy, and Paul realized that sometimes when you're young, People often discredit you. They, oh, well, you don't have any experience. We don't, we don't, we don't want you. I won't, I won't even listen to you. When you're young, sometimes people don't take us seriously, don't take you seriously. And you probably would understand why, because you're young. To that, Paul tells Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of believers. Word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity. So just because you are young doesn't mean you can't do something great for God. But the best balance comes when you use your strength with the, with the wisdom of someone else. And the last simple point is this, that remember your strength comes from God. You do have strength, you do have vigor, but God gave that to you. It's not something you did. I know you may have gone to the gym and you may have tried to... Uh, stay up late studying and get extra smart. You may have tried to do your best, but that ability comes from God. Psalm chapter 89, verse 17. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. David is realizing you are the glory of our strength, not our glory in our own strength. 2 Samuel 22, verses uh, 33. God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. For thou hast girded me with strength to battle against them that rose up against thee. It's not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit, saith the Lord. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And there's so many other verses that I could say that remind us that your strength, it comes from God. The elderly, they need the young, but the young need the elderly. You can't do it on your own, and you don't need to do it on your own. Learn to lean on others to get to where you need to go. If the strong can match, can mix, can, can team up with the wise, just imagine what can be done. It's when the aged coaches who have been there or have done that, a head coach can't dunk a hoop, can't dunk anymore. 
They may not be able to run up and down the court. They can't maybe throw a touchdown anymore, but they know how. They know what to do. They know how to keep the team together. It's when the strong can mix with the strength of the wise. There's been such a massive disconnect between generations today. Learn to connect with those more experienced than you. It's easy for a teenager to talk with a teenager or for a young adult to talk with a young adult. But when there is elderly, when there's parents, when there's people, learn, ask God to show you how you can communicate with them, how you can speak to those older than you. And even if you feel like you have nothing in common, learn, find something in common, ask questions, learn what you can from those older. Seek God's help and guidance through the Bible. And let us learn this equation, young and old, and let's be a team together. And let's break the bounds of generational gaps. And let's do something great for God. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for our, our, our message. And though it's simple, it's things we've all heard before. But help us to remember that, Lord, you have given us strength. And help us to use this strength for your honor, for your glory. And to lean on those who perhaps don't have quite the strength we do, but they certainly have the wisdom to know how we can use our, our strength for you. So Lord, help us to be who we need to be in that area. Bless us now we pray in your name.